0: hello everyone welcome to the sons of antiquity podcast i'm your host dan and i'm joined in the studio by my co-host evan how's it going
1: back in may of 2021 dan and i had no idea what the podcast would really look like in a year's time And come to think of it, we didn't know what the country would look like either. But we're happy to say we've survived long enough to see this show's first birthday, and America hasn't been invaded by the Visigoths yet. So we've actually got a lot to be thankful for.
0: To celebrate these accomplishments, we've decided to look back over the past year and talk about some of the most notable news stories and world events, maybe throw in a few hot takes while we're at it. We'll also critique the show itself and discuss our ups and downs, our joys and sorrows, if you will, and ask ourselves, what can we do better, and where do we go from here? But before we get to all
1: that, we'd just like to start by saying thank you, a real heartfelt thank you to everyone who has been listening and watching for the past year. It's a labor of love, and we hope you enjoy it as much as we do. The Facebook page has 100 followers, the YouTube page has 34 subs, and the Bitchute channel has 55 subs, and none of that would have been possible without you. So thanks a million. Really,
0: thank you, thank you, thank you. Give yourselves a round of applause, please.
1: Let's start off by covering our picks for the most interesting news stories from the past year. And by last year, I mean since May 20th, 2021. In no particular order, here are the noteworthy stories we remembered and thought, eh, why not talk about it?
0: So let's start off with uh, the U.S.'s awful withdrawal from Afghanistan in August of 2021 and the recapture of the nation by the Taliban. The withdrawal was 11 years in the making, beginning with President Obama's announcement that a withdrawal would begin in 2011. But the timeline was pushed back year after year after year, and eventually it was handed off to President Trump. In 2017, Trump warned that, quote, Hasty withdrawal would create a vacuum that terrorists would instantly fill. And although this led to a continuation of an already lengthy and expensive war, he was right. U.S. presence was scaled back further until Biden took over. And over the course of the first half of 2021, the Taliban ramped up activity while the U.S. made its intentions to leave very clear. By August, the evacuation was well underway. The Afghan military was basically destroyed. They collapsed under the weight of the Taliban advance. And the Taliban took over the country in about two weeks. And many Afghans were seen uh, clinging to the sides of airplanes as they took off, evacuating the people. Here's a quote from Joe Biden following the withdrawal. And I actually agree with the sentiment here, believe it or not. Quote, one more year or five more years of U.S. military presence would not have made a difference if the Afghan military cannot or will not hold its own country. And an endless American presence in the middle of another country's civil conflict was not acceptable to me. End quote. I wish we'd had that attitude 20 years ago. It's a terrible, senseless end befitting a terrible, senseless war. What say you, Evan? The
1: only people that felt vindicated by this withdrawal were the neoconservatives and the libertarians.
0: The, the libertarians have never wanted this. Never really did. But how did the neocons come out looking good?
1: Well, they they can easily say, oh, you shouldn't have withdrawn.
0: Oh, withdrawing
1: yeah. is what caused this debacle. Of course. And it's true because... To be fair, they could have done this a lot better.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean,
1: stranding a ton of Americans there and leaving all our weapons just to be taken over by the Taliban.
0: That was the worst part. We left millions of dollars worth of tech and equipment over there for no reason. We didn't have to. We could have brought all this stuff back well before we brought the personnel back. It could
1: have just prolonged the occupation by six months or something to get Mm -hmm. it all back. Exactly. It's just the, it's not even the money factor. It's just that. You're leaving it, leaving all this, leaving all these weapons in the hands of our enemies. Exactly. Like, so now the Taliban has high tech missiles and,
0: and a horde of other stuff. Of course, yeah, they have Humvees, they have tanks, they have stashes of M4s. It's uh, it's really just an awful. As I said, it it's befitting that that's how it ended, because it was just such an awful decision from the very beginning to get involved. In that region where you cannot place you cannot just copy and paste democracy you cannot remake a country in your image and some would even argue that it may not have even all been about that it was mostly just war profiteering and things like that and kickbacks and to boeing and
1: uh, lockheed martin lockheed
0: martin exactly you know who knows really what what was going on or how much money was made but i do know one thing that it didn't actually accomplish a single damn thing it only cost billions and billions of dollars trillions trillions of dollars really yeah and thousands of lives for nothing for all of it to go back to the way it was we should have learned our lesson from the friggin russians they couldn't do it and they're tough as nails why did we think that we could do any better
1: well i don't know if the russians are tough as nails they can't even take over a, a country run by Zelensky.
0: oh we'll get to that don't you worry i'm
1: getting it to it right now uh, <laughs> secondly russia invaded ukraine might have heard of that after months of threats in february 2022 russia invaded ukraine ostensibly to protect some of the russian majority eastern provinces which had declared independence from ukraine and to prevent ukraine from joining nato obviously it's still ongoing and it has made us further question media narratives should we trust them this time this this one time are they right come on guys Some of the fringes of the right have defended Russia, and others have advocated for America to be neutral in the conflict. But almost everyone else has jumped on the Ukraine bandwagon. Is the war a noble struggle between David and Goliath, with the very ideas of freedom and democracy being threatened by a tyrannical communist? Or is the war an attempt to defend Eastern Europe from Western decadence and atheism? It's really up to you
0: to decide. No, I think I'll decide for you. I'll tell you what's really going on here. It's a bunch of... Uh, globo Homo money laundering, George Soros puppeteering. Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not finished. And who who else knows what what's going on? I mean, think about this: the Russian military, the entire Russian military spends about sixty billion dollars a year, and we are just getting ready to send forty billion. Forty billion. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken. It was basically with no strings attached or very little to no oversight. So where is that money going? What is it actually being used for? We're sending almost the budget of the entire Russian military to one conflict. Is that all going into Zelensky's pocket? Because with that amount of money, they could probably just take over Russia and flip the script. But you know that's not going to happen because this war has been dragging on. So what exactly is going on here? There is so much that the media is not telling us. There is so much that politicians don't want to talk about. And none of it really adds up. And there's been so much propaganda around it. They want you to believe that Ukraine is the innocent party here. Putin or Putler, as some have called him. Evil, bad, terrible. And I'm not saying he's not evil, bad, and terrible. But there's more going on here. It is not black and white. And if you think it is, then you need to reexamine the facts.
1: Now, let me ask you this. Have you heard a mainstream media source tell you Putin's reason for invading? No. See, you haven't even heard that. You don't even know his his reason for doing it. I don't agree with his reason, to be fair, his reasons. Uh, But he he did give reasons, and nobody who hasn't researched this knows it. They said, oh, he invaded because he's evil.
0: Exactly. Now, I would say, okay, maybe I do know... uh, the only thing that I could really come up with just off the top of my head right here is he just wants to reclaim those provinces that are that are more friendly to Russia. what What reasons is he given?
1: It's NATO again, I don't agree with what he says, but he says basically, first, Ukraine isn't a real country and it has always been a part of Russia, which is not not true. Secondly, he said back when NATO was formed, North Atlantic Treaty Organization. It was supposed to not be in Eastern Europe whatsoever. That was the agreement, the word-of-mouth agreement. It's just going to be Western Europe and America. Yet, it has continued to encroach further east to where now there are border countries like Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. At least one of them is in mm-hmm. NATO. And uh, he'd always had the assurance that Ukraine wouldn't join. And then Ukraine said they wanted to join NATO. And NATO said, oh, yeah, sure. We'll start the process now. <laughs> yeah. So that was his reason that he feels like the entire military might of the U.S. and Europe is meeting right on Russia's doorstep.
0: And that is what would basically be legal if that happened. If, you, if Ukraine joined NATO, we could legally have all of our stuff right there on the border, right there, ready to go against Russia. Now, what doesn't make sense to me is why he has done this when he knows that it's so it's such political suicide. And really, it's, it may even be truly like physical suicide to go up against all of NATO, knowing that they would rally behind the Ukrainians and, and put billions and billions of dollars towards this. They could basically just bankrupt Russia in a war of attrition if they really wanted to push it. So why did he think that this was the way to go?
1: I think he underestimated the resistance efforts and the willpower of Western Europe and the U.S. to actually do some real sanctions on him and his country because the war plans putin was ignorant let's be honest he was completely ignorant about how good his military was i think they were supposed to be done in a week or two to like take kiev and mm-hmm. take the government hostage and take the key harbors and the key cities in eastern and southern ukraine mm-hmm. that was the plan it's supposed to be like come in sweep them done and then we can work out something
0: yes that would have been my plan if, if i had done it you know that would that sounds like a good plan and he obviously went wrong somewhere. Where he went wrong is what I guess you're saying is, A, he didn't expect the resistance, and he didn't expect as much support from, from NATO.
1: I don't agree with his invasion. I think it was stupid and not justified. Mm-hmm. I understand why he would be unhappy that NATO kept expanding, but to wage this war that, like he did, it's not like Crimea where he just took it and then nothing really happened to him. Because he didn't actually invade Ukraine when he took over Crimea. He just had it, had them do an election, and they voted to join Russia, and then they just basically seceded from Ukraine to join Russia.
0: I see, I see. Yes. it wasn't
1: I- like sending people in to like to shoot to shoot them until they gave it. He up. was
0: more clever, yeah, you know, about it. Yeah, I, I agree. It that was a more effective strategy because it was lo- less risk to him. This is such a huge risk, and as far as manpower and money, and just the optics of it, you just look like an ass. It just confuses me that he decided to make this decision. But what also confuses me is how people can rally around Zelensky, uh, knowing that this dude was just a couple of years ago, right, wrapped up in one of the most scandalous events in American history—the the Ukraine phone call with Orange Man himself. That was Zelensky. Nobody remembers that because their you know their memory and their attention span is so short these days. But he was right in the middle of all of that which was that was part of the reason behind uh, one you know one of trump's impeachment trials because of his corruption so how are you going to turn about 180 degrees saying oh yeah trump bad because he's colluding with ukraine and then turn right around and elevate this guy this zelensky guy to the status of like demigod
1: and let me ask you conservatives do you, would you support a politician who thinks abortion should not only be legal, but should be provided free of charge to anybody who asks for it at any stage in pregnancy. What about someone who thinks prostitution and uh, all drugs should, well, a lot of drugs should be legal? Oh, you wouldn't vote for him? What Would you support him and give him $40 billion and just go into all this propaganda about how great Ukraine is all of a sudden? When nobody even, no one cared about Ukraine before this. No. no nobody was supporting Ukraine before all this happened. And now it's... It's like the best country in the world all of a sudden.
0: Because it's a cheap way to virtue signal. It's a cheap way to, to to get acceptance.
1: I bet late 2021, if you polled Americans and gave them a map and said, put a dot where Ukraine is, maybe maybe 20% would know where Ukraine was.
0: That is an extreme overestimate. <laughs> you are being very, very gracious to these people. 10 to 20%. People. I guarantee you that... People don't even know where Ukraine is now any more than they did in 2021 before all this. People just put their flag out front. They don't actually know where the country is. They don't actually know the geopolitical situation or the history. And they don't really care to learn because it's all about just being part of the team. And my team is supporting Ukraine. So guess what? I'm going to support Ukraine. Do I really think deeply about it? No. Do I care that Zelensky is all pro-LGBT and trans and stuff and, and is part of the Jewish conspiracy? No. No one cares about that.
1: To summarize, I actually don't care anything about the war. I don't care who wins.
0: Yeah, me neither. Honestly, we should have just remained neutral from the beginning. It's their fight. Let them fight it out. And Ukraine, just in general, because it's a corrupt-ass country, should not have been part of NATO anyway. You know, we should have at least extended that olive branch to Russia because there's nothing worse than a cornered enemy. And we cannot bring Russia absolutely all the way down to its knees where it has no other options. Because let's remember, guys, they're a nuclear power. I've said enough. Evan, you can have the last word on that. Educate yourself before you take
1: strong opinions on social media. At least look up the basic facts. That's all we ask. Thank you.
0: Now let's talk about something that everybody can hate on, regardless of your political affiliation, regardless of whether you're in Ukraine or Russia. We can all rally around... How much NFTs suck. They came to prominence in 2021, but I'm glad to see these worthless wastes of time and energy completely collapsing and deflating. A picture of a monkey will never be a stable, low risk investment that you can be sure of. Guns, ammo, precious metals, and other tangible objects, on the other hand, are the only tried and true investments worth your time. Plus, in a grid down scenario, uh, or a Maz spaghetti hits the fan situation, you probably won't be able to trade your digital image for food or survival supplies. You'll just be put out of your misery by people like me. Hand in hand
1: with that, in May of 2022, cryptocurrencies lost a total of $600 billion in a week. This was a complete crash and proves to many critics like me that crypto is a fad with no real future. Sure, government fiat currencies are bad news, But at least invest in something real to try to beat inflation.
0: I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I had some crypto and I was kind of into the crypto thing when it started popping off in uh, late 2020, early 2021, I guess. And, you know, it was cool. It was fun for a little bit. And then I just decided to let it ride. And, you know, I could have probably gotten out earlier, made some profits, but now everything's tanking. So I'm just going to let it ride again. There are a lot of people who got into the whole crypto game just like last time. Just like in 2017, end of 2017, they had never lost money before. They had never seen the market go down. When things are bullish, it's like, oh man, this is so great. This is the next big thing. And then they get so upset when everything turns bearish again. Well, guess what? You just haven't been around long enough. Once you go through a few of those cycles, you realize that it comes in waves. You just got to ride it out. Play it smart. A lot of people, they just put all their eggs in one basket and they thought this thing was going to ride to the moon. And, you know, the memes made them think that way. Maybe Elon Musk made them think that way. And he made a bunch of money, but you didn't. So (laughs) take that as a learning experience, guys, that markets fluctuate and you just have to diversify.
1: Speaking of going to the moon, do you have another topic to show to us?
0: I do. What a great segue to the new privatized space race, you might call it. Jeff Bezos went to space in September of 2021. Now, I personally wish he had stayed there. But Blue Origin also uh, has now officially entered the second space race, along with Virgin Galactic and SpaceX. That's Elon Musk, if you didn't know. Which is an extremely impressive feat. Say what you will about these billionaires. I'm sure Evan will give his two cents here in a second. Uh, But this is a race that people said could not be done and would never be done. But I always hoped it could be real one day, and now it is. I have fond memories watching sci-fi movies as a kid and thinking that it had to happen. The power of spaceflight had to eventually trickle down from big agencies and governments into the hands of real people, which, you know, these billionaires are real people. And pretty soon, it will trickle down again to the moderately rich. And maybe eventually, it will be a thing that every person with a little bit of money can do space tourism could be real uh, within our lifetime and affordable within our lifetime. So space travel colonization, I think, uh, it's got to start off small and be a little expensive and exclusive. But soon it will become easier and easier to do. And so far, I've been been right in some of my predictions. It's a good feeling. So I'm on cloud nine when it comes to that. I think you should come back down to earth. <laughs> Why do you say that, sir? What's the point of going up into space and then coming back down? You know, some people would say, what's the point of climbing that mountain? What's the point of going over the ocean? What's the point of doing this? Sometimes things are just big and tough and that you may not be able to see a end result now, but in the future, you'll realize, oh, these were just the baby steps towards bigger and bigger projects, which we will need. Inevitably, we will need. There's nothing that's going to stop the population from growing on this on this planet. Okay, there's very few things that are going to stop that. And if if the populations are going to stay at this level and we are going to maintain this level of wealth, we need a certain amount of energy. And that certain amount of energy is not necessarily available indefinitely on Earth. A lot of this is geared towards getting the means to create energy for the foreseeable future, mining on the moon to get materials we need for fission and fusion, which will power this planet possibly, you know, for the next few centuries, and an insurance policy. If we can get to Mars, like Elon Musk is planning, and we can push through and really make a self-sustaining civilization there over the course of centuries, which is what it will take, then we can almost guarantee that the human race will never die out, which is awesome. Our descendants will thank us for all of our efforts. They'll say, wow, I'm so glad that They gave us two homes instead of just one, so now if something bad happens on one, at least we got another one. Thanks, guys. Thanks for not putting your heads in the sand. I know it seems like it's crazy, just flying up in a spaceship coming back down. I get it, but like these are the little teeny tiny baby steps required to do something massive. And Elon Musk, an ambitious guy, it's a very far-fetched plan he's got, but he has impressed people this far, and he has had some successes so far. So... I think that even if he can't do it, he will inspire others in the future who will. And I think we need that. We need this win. Humanity needs this win.
1: You can't run away from your problems or fly away from your problems.
0: Oh, humans have been doing it for millennia. Of course we can. That's, that's what we are born to do, man.
1: I just have to say the, the industrial revolution was a mistake. Changed my mind. <laughs> the fact that we have to go to other planets in order to sustain our system is is ridiculous. It shouldn't be that there's not enough on this earth to sustain us. And there are ways to keep the population down, by the way, that aren't genocide. I'm not advocating I'm, for genocide. I'm just saying, here. I know you're not, but there are ways to keep the population down that aren't immoral. I mean, most of them come from nature. For example, plagues, a bunch of other things that aren't fun to live through, but keep hap- have kept happening throughout history to keep the population down. There are natural ways to keep it down. So I'm... I just fail to see how going to another planet will solve any problems. Except if you think that the Earth is going to get hit by an asteroid and die.
0: Well, I mean, that is something that could happen. There's a lot of stuff out there. It's a shooting gallery out there. And we don't think of it, you know, we go about our daily lives and we don't see all this stuff flying around out there. There's a lot of stuff that could kill us. And, you know, the timescales are very large, but as far as science can understand, there's been about five or six mass extinction events on Earth in its history, in the history of life that we know of. So it's not crazy to think that it could happen again.
1: Yeah, we're causing another one. By doing what? By living our lives the way that we think we should live them. You're
0: right, you're right.
1: With uh, our industrialization.
0: You're right, we're poisoning the water, we're making everything nasty, potentially global warming. I'm not saying I buy into that, but maybe it is true. Uh, Yeah, no, I agree, but you cannot escape certain aspects of human nature. Let me run them down for you. One, they don't think big picture. They think immediate little tiny picture. So even if you could convince them that there's a lot of stuff going on that's going to kill us, they're not going to listen. They're not going to change their ways. Two, you're never going to stop people from trying to advance and make money off of those advancements. So even if you think that, oh yeah, plagues and stuff like that, that's great. But people are always trying to make new medicines and things like that. You're never going to stop humans from trying to profit off of inventions that will save other humans. So you're always going to have an increasing population unless something absolutely freaking drastic happens. And if that happens, then we're absolutely done So I think that all things being equal here, all humans basically just living their lives the same way they have for centuries, running away from their problems, ignoring the big picture, et cetera, et cetera, doing things that in the long term maybe are harmful to them. We have to counteract that somehow. And the only way to do that is to go across the ocean to the new world. The ocean is space. The new world is Mars. Case closed.
1: Speaking of plagues, in September 2021, President Biden ordered that all employers with more than 100 workers must require all of their employees to get vaccinated or get tested weekly. This includes private sector employers, healthcare facilities which receive Medicare or Medicaid, and all who do business with the executive branch of the federal government. It affected 100 million Americans. Biden's reasoning was clear, quote, we've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin, and your refusal has cost all of us, end quote, with the unvaccinated causing, quote, a lot of damage, unquote. Many corporations, including the one I used to work for, enthusiastically complied with the mandate and forced everyone to get vaccinated, with termination and religious exemptions being the only avenues of escape. Legal challenges began immediately, both due to the authority of the president and OSHA to mandate private sector affairs and to the constitutionality of forced vaccinations of adults. In January of 2022, the Supreme Court struck down the mandate, except for healthcare workers. However, the interim period forced a lot of people who didn't want to get vaccinated to get the jab. Now that Ukraine has been invaded, COVID has very politely decided to take a back seat until the midterm elections get close. <laughs>
0: that was so polite. Of COVID. Yeah. Give COVID a round of applause, guys. Come on. Man.
1: That's the one thing I love. Oh, that This is going to be very, sound very bad. But the good thing about Ukraine getting invaded is no one talks about COVID anymore. <laughs> yeah. I'm so tired of that.
0: Shit. Uh, dude, I'm with you. I'm with you. Instead, now they're just talking about all the dead kids and women. And But you know what? It's a small price to pay for no COVID coverage. Am I right? <laughs> No, I I certainly wouldn't say that. As heartless and evil as I am, even I wouldn't say that. Uh, I just wish they would shut up about both of them. But anyway, since we're on the topic of COVID, let's talk about the total number of deaths, which just recently reached 1 million in May of 2022. And nobody called out Biden or demanded that he resign, even though Biden famously said that Trump's 200,000 deaths during his time in office was way too high for the president to remain in office. Whoopsie. And although many brain dead NPCs want you to believe that Biden, not Trump, is responsible for the distribution of the coveted jab, Trump spent nearly all of 2020 trying to accelerate production and distribution of the vax. Not that that's a good thing, in my opinion. It's just an example of how people will ignore inconvenient truths to cheer for their side.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very annoying. Nobody will blame who needs to be blamed and all that. But uh, If you haven't noticed, prices are going up and inflation is making a roaring comeback. February 2021 to February 2022 saw an inflation rate of 7.9%, meaning that $1 in 2021 is now worth less than $0.93 today. This is the highest inflation rate since 1982. 7.9% is only the average. For example, used cars went up 41.2%, gas 38%, beef 16.2%, and other examples. Wages are not keeping up. So the average person is poorer this year than last year.
0: Yeah, well, I, I certainly feel a little poorer. I know a lot of people you know, in my family and people I work with feel the same way. And, you know, I haven't seen gas prices up in the $4 since the Bush years. And I wasn't even driving at that point. You know, it was just I would ride along in the car with my mom or dad and just see the signs and think, wow, that's kind of higher than it was a few years ago and this and that. And I, you know, I'd hoped that it would never get this high again, but that was, I knew that eventually it would. Sure enough, here we are. And it's just a shame, you know, for all the people who are living paycheck to paycheck and things like that, who are, were already struggling before all this, It just must be a nightmare for them. So my heart goes out to any of you guys who are struggling out there. Keep your head up. It's going to be tough, but we are going to get through it. I know we
1: will. We're in this together.
0: Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Evan. Thank you so much. That just made my day.
1: Thank you. Give us $20.
0: <laughs> now, let's talk about our last little topic here before we get to our discussion of the show and the critique of the show itself. We'll talk about the social media shakeups. First, there was Elon Musk trying to buy Twitter, and then there was the release of the Facebook files at the end of 2021. So Elon Musk, he spent the first few months of 2022 quietly purchasing a greater and greater stake in Twitter, reaching 9.2% in April, and leading some to believe that he will take a seat on the company's board of directors. Surprisingly, Musk refused that offer, but a week later announced an offer to buy the company outright for $44 billion, hoping to reshape it into the free speech platform that he believed and still believes it should be. Negotiations are ongoing, and now Musk is pushing Twitter to prove its claim that only 5% or fewer accounts on the platform are bots, which is unlikely. It's probably way higher. And the reason he's trying to to get them to prove that is because then it's worth less. You know, if there's if 50% of Twitter is bots, then you're basically the advertisers who are paying to be on there are advertising to robots, which there's no point in, obviously. So he's trying to see, is this really even a valuable thing to buy. So that might be a deal breaker for him. I'm not holding my breath, but I am cheering for him because I want Twitter to be the free speech platform that it always should have been. And as for the Facebook files, these are a series of documents, leaks, interviews, testimonies, and investigations, which have revealed what we all knew from the beginning. Facebook is biased. It puts profit before principles. It rarely does what Zuckerberg promises in public, and it preys on the youth and has exacerbated political strife and sensationalism in order to increase engagement on the platform. In other news, water is wet. But don't overlook this story, guys, just because it seems obvious. Go check out the reporting on it from Wall Street Journal, even Waypo and 60 Minutes. They had an interview with the whistleblower, Francis Haugen. It's uh, kind of a black pill, I'll admit. But it will confirm what we already knew, that these tech companies are about as corrupt as they get.
1: Well, that seems like a good place to end that segment on the uplifting year of 2021 and early 2022. You got that right. Let's move on. Uh, Though the past year was full of fa- failures and embarrassments, there was an obvious upside. The Sons of Antiquity was born and grew to what you know and love today. With that being said, let's proceed to the full-length episodes we were most proud of. For me, uh, in no particular order, Anacyclosis because it was our first, and frankly, it set an excellent precedent. Atheism, because it was our most big-brain episode. It it was just filled with good arguments and high-level conversation. It was. Latin Mass, because it gave me a chance to talk about Catholicism a lot, and Ship of Theseus, because it was a really deep discussion that I enjoyed.
0: Yes, and how, how old was our debate on Ship of Theseus? When did you tell me that? I remember you texting me about it. Have you ever heard of this? This was... Oh. What, like four or five years ago you sent me that? I'd say four years ago. Probably about four. So, yeah, we had been talking about that idea for a while. And so I was, I was really glad when we got to do that episode because it kind of brought it all full circle. Uh, for me, episodes that I was most proud of, uh, but the political spectrum, because that was a two-parter. So it was pretty big. And we got to talk about something that we discuss all the time, which is, you know, different parts of the spectrum and different groups. And many of those groups we have been uh, loosely associated with or have identified with in the past. So that was cool. And uh, Atheism, of course, it was just such a such a big episode, so deep and rich. And, uh, yeah, I got to give it to Anacyclosis. I mean, it's just – it did. It, it really set the stage for for what the show would later become. So I think – Maybe one day in the future we'll do a a revisit to that episode and, and maybe dive even deeper or, or cover something that we didn't quite mention in that. But it, that would be fun.
1: Not only will our episodes last throughout the ages, but many of them were simply a blast to prepare and record. We don't just cover serious nerdy stuff on Sons of Antiquity. Oh, no. No, no. Check out these episodes if you want
0: to unwind. Conspiracy theories. Who doesn't love a good conspiracy theory? And we talk about some really controversial ones in there. Some of them you couldn't even listen to on YouTube. So the BitChute and uh, Google Podcast, I think Apple Podcast uh, versions, they got the full the full script. They got everything in there, including the COVID conspiracies. So if you're interested in that, check that out. Some easy listening, and then beer and rap music were uh, two episodes. Beer just uh, dealt with, obviously, the history of beer and some of our own personal favorite beers and experiences home brewing And yeah, rap music was another good one, just about a, a more modern topic.
1: Sure. I would say mob mentality was also really entertaining.
0: Oh, it was fun. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the more popular ones, I think, on the uh, uh, audio platforms.
1: Hmm. Fighting sports, of course. And of uh, course, beer. You know, that was a fun time.
0: Who doesn't love a good brew, you know? It's just it's just all it's an american thing so i think a lot of people would probably really enjoy that one specifically
1: you should be glad that dan is such a good editor because there was plenty of released gas in that episode
0: <laughs> that is for sure i can i can vouch for that yes uh burping nonstop, just about after every segment we just had to pause and let evan belch it out Now let's talk about some of the episodes that took the most uh, work and research. Uh, While the podcast is mostly fun, sometimes it does feel more like drudgery. Here are the episodes that had us burning the 3 a.m. oil, not even the midnight oil. 3 a.m. oil. Taxation. Mm. Sounds great. Doesn't
1: work. (laughs) It was a lot of work, but you know, I'm Dan, you know, I'm a nerd about spreadsheets. You so do. it was actually kind of fun.
0: Dude, spreadsheets are your thing, man. Mm. Oof. I wish you guys could see the spreadsheet we have for like planned episodes and all the stuff. I mean, it's like color coded. It's, it's all organized. Evan keeps up with it really well and it's, it's just awesome. And so he was able to apply his skills on the taxation episode. He really did about 99%. I, I think I looked up one thing for that episode for him, and that was about it. But he just absolutely killed that. And that was back when we were on the weekly schedule, too. Mm. That was impressive. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. And uh, last stands, just
1: because uh, there was so much background I had to do. I had especially in mind the Syrian. Oh, the the Syrian Civil War. Yeah, That was, I shouldn't have even even included that one. It was (laughs) annoying.
0: But I appreciated it. And I thought it was interesting, even though you kind of, I think you had expressed at the time that you... We're worried you like did a disservice to it because you had to summarize so much because it was so complicated that even though we had like a gigantic paragraph on it, it was just not even going to do it justice because there were so many different different uh, viewpoints on it and, and different sides to the story. But I think we did well on it. I was satisfied with it, very satisfied.
1: And uh, political spectrum, just because there was a lot of information, a lot of ideologies, a lot of didn't try real communism. And finally, the Crusades because it was it was a boring book I had to read and it was just kind of a depressing topic so it...
0: yeah I agree that one was pretty depressing Some of the ones that I thought took the most work atheism again huge episode so uh, we we tried to dive into attempts to create a atheistic society so we did a lot of kind of studying on Russia and the Soviet Union in general and so that took a long time uh taxation obviously Evan just absolutely killed it. And uh with epic last stands, I do remember you know us dividing it up, you know saying, "Oh, which which last stands do you want to cover?" and you know, we kind of did our own thing and put it all together. So I definitely put in more work in the earlier shows before Hot Takes was its own thing. I spent a lot of time editing Hot Takes, and so Evan is definitely taking up the slack there doing research. But I remember Last Stands was that one in political spectrum, probably one of the last ones I really put in a huge amount of, of time uh, researching. For better or for worse. You know, you'd be the judge on whether or not the Hot Takes show is worth <laughs> worth having around. But I, I, I enjoy it, so. The Hot Takes show
1: evolved from being an unplanned segment at the end of full-length episodes to a planned, standalone video. Here are the Hot Takes we take the most pride in.
0: And I'll say real quick, only OGs will remember the original Hot Takes sounder. It's time for the Hot Takes. And the original Hot take segment. Only 90s kids will remember. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've been around for that long that you remember that the Hot take segment was at the end, go ahead and smash that like button. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Or leave a comment. Uh, but as far as editing goes, uh, our some of our mo- most recent ones, I've really dived into DaVinci Resolve, which is a, a very powerful program for uh, video editing, and I just just have the free version. You know, it's not even like a, all the features, so I'm able to do animations in there very easily, way easier than than what I had going on before. So it's made the editing process a little smoother, and I'm able to make them look nicer, a little bit more professional. And just have more fun with it, because I like doing little animated edits. So, anti-grooming and journalists suck. Those are our most recent hot takes. Especially the former, because it had a, a really awesome natural flow. And I still have a soft spot for Twilight Zone, though. That was hot takes number two. And it was so long, it was all black and white. And I think if we if I went back and watched it again, some of the animations in like the intro... Might have been a little bit amateurish, but still, I think that it was a really fun episode to do, man. I had a blast making that one. And watching The Twilight Zone, that's always any excuse to go back and watch The Twilight Zone. I'm there. I'm down. Let's do it. What about you?
1: I think the the big challenge with the Hot Takes show is trying to balance comedy with serious content. Sure. Because you don't want to make just absolute cancer content that'll get a laugh, like minute-long videos. You also just don't want to let me like complain for ten minutes straight. So it's <laughs> it's finding the balance, you know.
0: Yeah. If if you think Evan complains on the on the podcast or on the Hot Take show, just try making the show with him.
1: <laughs> yeah, he cuts out most of it.
0: Uh, but you know, you're right. Yeah, it's it is a it's a fine line, and sometimes we we cross that line, and it's just too much of a meme. And then I think sometimes it is pretty serious. Like I think it's one of the last episodes. I felt like it could have been a solo episode with you. It, it could have just been that type of video. And maybe that will be coming in the future. We'll get to that here in a little bit. But uh, what were some of your other your favorites there?
1: Uh, England is gay. Don't say gay. <laughs> Career women and clickbait. Yeah, clickbait was fun. Now through through our year of production, there have been a number of surprises and disappointments. For starters, Buck Break Mountain being such a success was shocking. At the time of recording, over 700 views on YouTube.
0: Yeah, I mean, what, what more can you say on that one? Uh, and, and honestly, it was just a, a project I had been thinking about. I just slapped it together. And one day I was talking to Evan and he was like, man, I, I don't think we'll be able to kind of make the schedule for next week. Let's have a, an off week. I said, that's fine. I've got a, I've got a video I can just post. And he was like, oh, okay. And I bet you probably thought it was like a short you know, or just something else. Like, you had no clue what I had, uh, had this Frankenstein of a video I'd put together. And uh, yeah, I just posted it up, didn't really think much of it. I thought, uh, you know, it'll just be a filler. <laughs> it's the biggest one on YouTube. <laughs> like, what the heck, man? That's, that just goes to show. You just never know what's going to strike it big. And like I didn't think Loud Dem Rangs was going to do no. really big and I didn't think some of the other ones were going to hit big numbers. Yeah, and well, these episodes relatively.
1: we spend so much time and effort on get like 5 views on YouTube. It's- yeah.
0: And then other ones, you know, that are like, "Oh, maybe this will be all right. Maybe people like this." Oh, wow, you know, it gets a big bigger response. It's interesting. Being more popular on BitChute surprised Evan. And uh, he hadn't even heard of the platform before I brought it up and said, "Hey, maybe we should be on this." platform i think you were thinking just strictly youtube right for right right you know, at the very beginning and over there over five thousand two hundred total views uh as of today may 24th 2022 and 55 subs so doing better than the numbers on youtube which you know as you mentioned earlier it's it's a saturated market on youtube you know bit shoots a little bit more streamlined not as many people on there so more room for you to to make noise
1: Our most viewed full-length episode on YouTube is Anacyclosis. That's surprising because it's not our our most fun episode, but it's, you know, it set the stage. At the time of recording, it's over 200 views on YouTube. Very good. Oh, it leads me to think that there's some kind of algorithm nonsense going on because when we first uploaded, a whole lot of people watched it. Yeah, relatively speaking,
0: a whole lot. I think
1: think, uh, YouTube put our video up more often in more people's feeds on episode one and then after that it went down for a little bit before coming back up naturally perhaps
0: yeah i, I really don't know and, and even to this day nobody really knows why certain videos blow up and others don't why it was, get more popular
1: it was our first video and it got up to 50 pretty quickly so mm-hmm. that surprised me
0: yeah if you if you were to chart like how quickly it got to 50 versus how quickly it's gotten to 200 it's definitely slowed down yeah i don't know man it's kind of crazy as I mentioned earlier, Law Dem Rangs, uh, one of our hot takes, is uh, the highest on YouTube. That's almost got 100 views. It's got 90, which, you know, is modest. But uh, relative to all the others, it's actually doing pretty
1: good. We have over 500 downloads on the audio-only
0: platforms. Mm-hmm. That's not bad, but it could be a lot better. Could be. Uh, according to the little tracker, I don't know how often you get on there, but it says we've got 10 followers now, not just 8. And we've got, oh, actually, it's uh, right now it's almost, almost 550 getting up there you know who knows and although it may be too early to really tell there are some good indications that the highlight reel that we have just debuted is doing well on the audio only platforms because it's such a a bite-sized little nugget of, uh, of a video or of a clip it's just some of the best sections from the main show that are put out there just as a little teaser so people can go oh i don't want to necessarily watch this whole thing yet but let me just try out this this little bite-sized piece oh I like this maybe I'll try listening to the full show so it, I think it's gonna it's gonna do well over time on
1: the disappointment side there are a lot of videos with less than a dozen views on YouTube there were at the time of recording there were 10 full length of videos and six hot takes that didn't even crack 12
0: yeah it's rough man it's rough on YouTube and you just got to keep on hacking away at it. It's one of those things you just you just never know how the algorithm's going to treat you. And maybe at the end of the day, you just got to read the book. She's just not that into you. <laughs> Susan is just not that into us. We're going to change that. We're going to make her want us. We're going to make her a believer. And the number of views on all platforms and total subs, uh, you know, let's talk about that. Take off our, our rose-colored glasses or anything and just try to be objective. Yeah, uh, you know, Was it a success or a failure? We got 1,800 total views on YouTube, 5,200 on BitChute, 500 views on the audio platforms, totaling about 7,500 views. That's 34 subs on YouTube, 55 on BitChute. Some of those are probably the same people, but if you wanted to be generous and just add them together, that's uh, just a little less than 100. So, you know, after a year's worth of work, starting from scratch with nothing, with no advertising, what can be said about that? Oh, and let's not forget 100 followers on the Facebook page.
1: That's true, but you post memes on there. That's true. It's not posting our videos only.
0: It's not videos only, but it is our videos. And I, I have some ideas on on how to improve that, but we'll get to that a little bit later. But success or failure?
1: Somewhere in between. I'm not, I'm not so disappointed that I want to cry myself to sleep, but I'm also not elated by our success.
0: What would have elated you at this stage? What would elate you?
1: If we had, like, 200 subs on YouTube and, like, 10,000 views, I'd be elated.
0: Okay. So, honestly, you're, you're, you're asking only for, like...
1: I meant in the first year. I mean, next year, my the goalposts will keep moving. Oh,
0: okay. Sure, of course, because you want to keep growing. Sure. I think that's fair.
1: Okay. On top of extensive research, this is what we did to fully immerse ourselves in episode topics. We read 16 books did a 24-hour fast, did a complicated spreadsheet on taxation, went to Latin Mass, had a fighting bout, drank alcohol while recording, consulted a philosopher in high school Bob, exposed ourselves to the demons in Marx's work, and mused on eternal truths. Also, inspired by the topics at hand, I now regularly make homemade wine, and I'm currently making my first batch of beer. But here's a surprise for you. We have recorded a Time Capsule episode, which Dan plans to bury soon. That's right, folks. We're going underground.
0: Tell us a little more about that, Dan. Oh, I would be delighted to tell you about that. Well, right when Evan came over, we sat down and we uh, laid it down on the track for about 30 minutes uh, and just, just shot the bull and talked about some of the predictions that we had for the country and for our own personal futures some hopes, some dreams, and we talked about some current events, things like that. It was a little bit of of a time capsule in the sense that we preserved some of the some of the current events that are going on right now and talked about them, and also made some predictions in the future that we can either point to and say, "Oh hey, that came true. Wow, that was good on you or haha, that was so stupid. how could they have possibly thought that? We tried to have a balanced discussion in that regard, so. I'm thinking maybe in five to 10 years, I haven't really decided yet, we'll open it up. And uh, if we're still doing this, which I really hope we are, and I hope hope it's it's a lot bigger and we can reach reach a bigger audience, we can play that for you. And that'll be a really cool moment you know, for us to be able to unearth this thing and share it with the world, even though it's really not that exciting, but it would just be kind of funny, I think, to talk about all the ways our lives will inevitably change in that time. And the last thing I'll say is I encourage all of you out there to make a time capsule as well. It doesn't have to be something like that, a recording, although that would be awesome. Uh, It could just be some objects that are really important to you right now or or photographs and things, and you just put them in a tin can and you bury it, and then you just kind of forget about it for a little bit. It's a really cool exercise because it's low effort, but it can bring back so many great memories in the future. And think of it as a gift to yourself in the future. Think of it that way.
1: Also, feel free to to tell us how you think the country will be in five to ten years or other things that you think will happen in the future. Please comment on the video and we'll we'll engage with you in conversation.
0: Yes, of course. As many people have pointed out, YouTube is basically like a time capsule. You know, you can go back and relive moments of your life and, and reread comments and things like that from long, long ago. So please do that. Now it's time for the obligatory takeaways. As Bon Scott of ACDC once said, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. And the same, I think, goes for the podcast game. Starting a podcast is a humbling experience,
1: but it has allowed us to sharpen the saw, to borrow a phrase often used in the venerable
0: art of manliness. We made some new memories, and we learned a ton of great stuff over the past year. Many things we probably never would have learned had it not been for the show, and we got to share them with you. And that was the cool part. And lastly, our lingering questions. Will the Boogaloo or a true energy crisis or even World War III break out before we can make it to our second birthday?
1: I don't think it'll get that bad that quickly.
0: No? You don't think Monkeypox is going to just overrun everything?
1: There's a certain very specific action you can avoid to not get Monkeypox. And for the majority of people, that is not an option on the table anyway. So.
0: No, I had heard that you could get it from just hand-to-hand contact or uh, contact with, with tables and stuff. You don't have to do any debauchery. Sure. <laughs> but I digress. Who knows? Uh, I don't think it'll happen in a year, but maybe in a couple of years, some, some serious stuff is going to go down. Should we continue to do this podcast? Is it worth it? Well, yeah, it's worth it. I think it is. E- you know, even if it doesn't grow at the speed that we want. And even if it doesn't make us any money or anything... To me, it has always been just a fun hobby. I've always thought of it that way from the very beginning. And, yeah, it would be great to to make it big and, you know, have a bunch of uh, a cool audience members, a community. But at the end of the day, even if I'm just uh, not even an internet micro celebrity, an internet nobody, uh, I personally am cool with that because I just enjoy the process of putting stuff together. And maybe one day I will be bored. But right now I'm not. I don't agree. That's fine. <laughs> That's why we are such a good team. Why don't you agree, sir?
1: Time is a very valuable thing, and if I'm not getting the bang for my buck from, you know, at least having people subscribe or leave a like or a comment, then I just feel like, you know, maybe there are better uses for my time, especially uh, since I'm married and have two kids. It's it's possible that eventually this may not be worth my time. So, if you want the show to keep going, I think it would It'd be good to show us some love. Show us some love. Get some of your your friends and family to watch us if you think they'd like it and uh, they could benefit from it. I think most people
0: could benefit from it. As to whether they like it or not, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's a different question altogether, I guess. But yeah, there's some interesting nuggets there that we have uh, uh, provided over over this year. So yeah, spread the word if you could. Do us just a little teeny tiny favor. What are some changes that we could make to attract more listeners? Now, that is not only just a rhetorical question or a question aimed at you. Please, uh, if you have suggestions, leave them in the comments. But just to Evan or to me, how could we change this to attract more listeners?
1: Audience, would, would you like us to cover more current event topics or more of the bigger topics? Because I personally think the latter. But if you think that you don't care about these eternal truths and you'd rather just hear about the latest drama... You know, maybe that's something we have to consider.
0: You want ancient wisdom or like a modern scandal? Is that what you're going for?
1: Yeah, I just just think there are so many outlets out there that just cover the day-to-day. Maybe a wire that comes out, you know, every day. There are many platforms that cover daily news. I just, I feel like our additional voices would not be of much value, especially considering all the great, Even just all the great YouTube channels that cover. And they're funny and they're insightful. I feel like we, we play a different role in the YouTube community than just reporting on what's happening. That'll be ignored in a year. That's my opinion. But if you like those sensational episodes, let me know. Let us know. And also, if you like the shorter episodes, especially the ones that Dan makes that are more funny... Not serious, like the one-minute videos.
0: But don't necessarily have to be. That can also be a critique. You know, oh, I want to see five to ten-minute episodes, but I don't want too much comedy. I want a five to ten on something that's important, but not super gigantic. Because obviously five to ten minutes is not enough to cover a gigantic topic. But if you're efficient with it, it could be done. So let us know if you you want that, because we can make it happen. I think that's where the highlight reel comes
1: in, because it is taking mostly serious content and just keep giving it to the audience in bite-sized pieces i agree so it is almost the best of both worlds in that if you don't really want to spend an hour or 45 minutes to an hour on an episode you know here's a good a good segment on university education sure that might be that might be something the audience wants shorter but serious videos not like your jack bauer one but also not like our two-hour atheism video
0: somewhere in the middle right yeah (laughs) Let us know, guys. Really, let us know.
1: How have we gotten better since episode one?
0: Ooh. Have, well, have we? <laughs> ooh. Oh, that's existential. I think in some ways, no. We haven't gotten any better. But in many ways, we have. All right? And I mean that in like the best way possible. I think editing has gotten way better. I think our our style has become a little bit more streamlined. Our intro is certainly better. Good night. That alone is just an improvement already. Because I, the more I think about it, the more I hate the original intro. But you know, a great artist is always you know, his biggest critic. So, uh, yeah, I was never gonna be happy with it to begin with. But uh, all kidding aside, I think we we definitely have found our groove, found our niche, and we I think we've been doing a real good job of picking episodes that we're both interested in, or at least moderately interested in, and ones that you don't always see on the interwebs. So I think we've improved in that way, like kind of refining how we decide on what episodes to do. Uh, what about you? What do you think?
1: I think we've gotten a lot better. I, I'd i like to think that my my style has gotten better too.
0: I was more boring in the beginning and now I'm only a little bit boring. <laughs> I think you've become more conscious of it, of of that you don't like it and you're working to fix it. And that's that's a huge part of the solution there. You just have to identify what you don't like and just work to fix it. So just being aware of it. Has helped you. What upcoming episodes are we most excited about?
1: There's one I'm excited about that I don't think Dan is, but. Oh, it, it's uh, my title, working title of it is Why Cars Ruined Everything.
0: I'm excited for it because I just want Evan to be on his soapbox and, and to be able to make fun of him <laughs> for being on his soapbox. That's what I'm most excited about. I'm excited to uh,
1: reveal some things to you. I think. I'm not just going to get on an environmental soapbox. I, that will be a small part of it. But just all the all the bad things about cars that nobody
0: thinks about. I'm going to be taken to school in this episode. I know, and I haven't even looked at the notes or anything. And once once we get to that, that stage, I'm sure there will be stuff I'll have to uh, research and things. But generally, I'm in the dark about that episode. So I am very excited about what lies in store. It sounds like you got some surprises, and I'm glad you do. What about you? Oh, I am looking forward to doing what I think will be our first biography, like full biography episode, because we have done biographies as part of like a review of uh, author's work. That's generally what it was. But we've never just sat down and said, all right, let's tell you the story of this guy's life. And we're going to do that in the next five episodes.
1: We're not 100 percent decided on who that's going to be, but there are two major contenders. Uh, We'll see who wins out.
0: I'm hoping the more controversial one wins out, but
1: uh, we'll see. Both will, I think we'll eventually cover both. Do we want to reveal who that is or leave it up? Oh, we gotta,
0: we we can't, we can't give it away. We have to tease it. They gotta come back for it.
1: I think it's probably going to be our next full length episode. So get ready. Finally,
0: what are some of the most
1: important pieces of ancient wisdom we learned from doing the show?
0: For me, it is that history repeats itself. That's a given. That's, that's easy. That's low-hanging fruit, though. Something that has been reinforced in my mind, almost more than anything, has been Sun Tzu's rule that the worst tactic of all is to besiege walled cities. In every single instance, that is the worst possible plan. Take that as, as literal or metaphorical. That is the absolute last thing you want to do is besiege a walled city.
1: That is awfully specific.
0: (laughs) If you think of it in literal terms, it is awfully specific. But if you think of it figuratively, it can open up some doors for you. I'm just going to leave it at that.
1: I would say that I learned you better read. Reading is the single best thing you can do to better yourself in every way that's not physical. And if you don't read, then you're ignoring the opinions of men who have lived for thousands and thousands of years before you. You're only consulting the people you hear, the media, and your own brain, which is a very limited view. And I, I think it's very important to consult with ancient texts and relate to them. It's a nerdy conclusion, but you, know, you, you shouldn't ignore all those people. They may teach you something.
0: And they're still around for a reason. You know, we still remember their names and know their, their stuff for a reason.
1: And that's why we're the sons of antiquity, in a way. We're not the sons of modernity. We're not sons of the modern world. We're around because of the ancient world. And not, not an ancient aliens kind of way, where it's just mystical old civilizations doing everything perfectly. But we can take what, what was known back then and remove all the flaws of it and take what we can. Because I think we have missed a lot since then. Since the Enlightenment, since the Renaissance... Since the Protestant Revolution, we've missed a lot of antiquity, and I think we would do well for ourselves to remember it.
0: Bravo. That, that's a highlight reel right there. Bam! I love it, man. Anything else? That's it. I've said too much. You wrap it up.
1: That's all for today's show. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and leave your comments. Please let us know what you think and how we can improve. If you're not a schizo, we are very likely to reply to your comments. Join us again next time for even more ancient wisdom.